Hello, everyone, and welcome to Investing with IBD for June 12th, 2019. I'm your host, Arusha Pierce, and with me in the studio today is Charles Harris, Senior VP and Portfolio Manager of O'Neill Capital Management. Thanks for being here, Charles. Hey, thanks for having me. On today's podcast, we're going to talk about the markets, buying pullbacks, and of course, we'll end the episode with current stocks. But first, before we get into the markets, Charles, we all want to know your license plate. Your license plate has Market Wizard on it, and it's a very, very popular license plate. Everyone knows when you're in the building. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and so what's the story behind this license plate? Yeah, so I'm a self-proclaimed Market Wizard. No one else is calling me that. <laughs> it's, uh, it was the kiss of death, to be honest with you. But um, yeah, I don't recommend you know, someone doing that. It's uh, it will always happen at a peak. So when I was um, in the tech bubble yeah. um, during 1999 and 2000, I was having extraordinary success, huge, and it did go to my head. And so one day during um, in in the year 2000, it was sometime around June, July. It was after the the market had. Uh, the bubble had burst, right. Right. but we did have a tradable rally um, sometime be- between June and, and August or so. A big, big rally. My account was up quite a bit. Yeah. And um, so I was, you know, making tons of money, and um, and I was trading. I was out of control. I was not trading really well. I was really taking lots of big chances. I was getting very lucky. I was up eight hundred percent for the year, going wow. up you know, going into, you know, August. And I thought, and that's coming off a thousand percent year the year before. So, I mean, I was, had extraordinary success. I was trading crazy. I was super leveraged. I was trading options. It was, I was all over the place and I was out of control. And so one night I um, was thinking, I mean, I wonder, I should get like a personal license plate, you know. That'd be cool. Yeah. So I looked up. I was like, it was like the middle of the night, and I was on the DMV website putting in different <laughs> license plates, and I put in Market Wizard, and it wasn't taken. And I thought, oh, well, how can I pass this up? Like, I couldn't believe it. So I got it. Yeah. And that was literally at my peak. Um, I was looking for a new car at the time. And right around that time, um, after I secured the license plate, I hit a wall. The market really hit the peak. That tradable rally had ended, and it was the last quarter or last four months or so of uh, the year 2000, and I just started losing money so quickly. And um, luckily, I had the foresight to just start it, to realize I was out of control, and I just started wiring money out of my account into a bank so I couldn't touch it. So smart. I wired about two-thirds of my money out of my account, and I lost the other third. Oh so God. it was a, a massive hit, and it took me years, and it took me eight years before I actually bought my car. So I had this license plate <laughs> for eight years, and it was funny, when I got the plate, um, Gil Morales, who used to be a PM at O'Neill, um, he, he's, he looked at it and goes, uh, dude, you hit your peak. Like, like he knew that was the kiss of death. Because he, he knew that it went to all of this, went, all the success went to your head. Exactly. Point, right? So, you know, when you do something crazy like that, you know, you're asking for it. But you know what? I recovered. I still have it. But um, 
And now it's on a new car. And it's on my, it's on my new car. But, um, but it took a long time for me to get that car. So I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> if someone wants to buy it off me, <laughs> I, I'm happy to sell it. You know, I remember coming off that, that period when I was up a thousand percent um, in in 1999. Um, I was at the holiday party that mm-hmm. we have here at work, and Bill came up to me and said, "So, how are you doing this year?" And again, this was in my personal account. Okay. So I told him, "Well, I'm up a thousand percent." And he said to me, "Just remember, we all put our pants on one leg at a time." So he's pretty wise, and he um, knew the risk of you know. Um, letting it get to your head, and it's really important just to try to remain humble and realize, um, you know, when you are getting too excited or kind of in a manic state. And um, you know, at, at the time for me, I mean, honestly, I was like becoming an, an addict. It's like I was just out of control. So it's really important if you're having tremendous success and you start to take on risks that really aren't prudent. And you're getting away with stuff that you can kind of be aware of that and um, and pull back and realize that, you know, the party's going to end. Nothing lasts like that. Well, so, Charles, let's now get back into real time because you recovered from that. It was a great, great lesson. And let's go into the current markets. And, you know, you came in at a perfect time. The market is in a confirmed uptrend now. So we had last Friday on June 7th, we had a fourth-day falter day. I think, was it fourth day? Fourth day, fall uh, through day on the NASDAQ. On the NASDAQ. And um, so at that time, that now we're back in that confirmed uptrend. If there's stocks breaking out there that are viable, you can slowly start moving back into the market. Mm-hmm. Um, so let, let's go back. Let's go into more of what you're seeing uh, in the markets r- right now. Or really kind of just uh, – we'll, we'll stick to the first uh, – the current part, and then we'll take a little bit step further step back. Okay. So – as you mentioned, we had a follow-through day um, last Friday, fourth-day follow-through day on the NASDAQ. And so we are in a confirmed uptrend. There are stocks that are viable. There are uh, many you know, leadership stocks were breaking out or extending their gains on that follow-through day. Yes. So I am constructive on the market. Now, we have you know, gotten some resistance at the 50-day moving average, which is completely normal. Um, you want that to happen. I mean, Things that did get extended very quickly. Um, when the market consolidates a bit, takes a little rest, it gives uh, stocks a chance to take a break yep. and set up so you can actually get in. So we came up to a very logical area, again, which was the 50-day moving average. Um, on the S&P 500, we actually got above the 50-day and are holding above. So um, so that looks normal and constructive. Um and I think things look pretty good. There's, there's, the breadth has improved. Um, you know, the, the breadth of the market really did narrow over yes. the past, um, you know, the four or five weeks um, during May. Uh, it was a very tough period, and the market came in. NASA came in about 10.8%, which is a pretty rough pullback uh, over a you know, four- to five-week period. But... Given the bounce we had off the bottom in December and the fact that we were up 17 out of 19 weeks, um, up way into double digits over a four-month period, you have to expect the market to pull back. So it was, um, I think, 
corrective. I think it was um, got out some of the excess, um, allowed stocks either build bases or consolidate their gains, and you know it wasn't pleasant. It was a it was a tough May, but um, I think it's what needed to happen. And you can see that we um, shook out below the 200-day moving average. Again, it was a pretty you know rough correction. I you know I think over over the four or five weeks, especially the, for our stocks. Frame. Right, yeah. our our stocks just plummet when when the the market starts to turn. Yeah, the um, definitely the the leadership groups at the time were the cloud related stocks, cyber stocks, big data type stocks. Yeah, um, the semis are doing well, um, you know, through that period as well, and all these stocks got hit pretty hard. Um, the very best did hold up pretty well. And finally, the market got to the very best stocks right on the bottom day. Exactly. So, um, you know, Monday, June 3rd. Um, that was, you know, the market looked terrible that day, of course. And they finally got to the, some of the, the leaders. So and, Microsoft, they, and they really hit them hard, too. They hit them really hard that day. And the cloud stocks, the cyber stocks in particular, software stocks, all came down on that day really, really bad. I mean, I had a really rough day that yeah. day. <laughs> And um, many of them undercut their 50-day moving averages on that day. Um, it was a day where, you know, you're forced to raise some cash if you were trying to hold in there. But um, that served to be the bottom. Yeah, and, and so let's go back to that because you had that really rough day on June 3rd. Now, yeah. one of the keys, and, and I'll, yeah, I mean, I mean, I felt the panic on that day too, and I, I was forced to, to raise more cash at that time. Uh, now, one of the keys... And is that it was on a Monday, yeah, right? And 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 some and sometimes and and I, I think maybe panic got a, a little bit be the best of me on that because I started selling. A Once you start getting that mode of selling, it's really easy to keep selling. Uh, but one thing, just looking back for me, is that you know it was Monday. You still had the rest of the week uh, to see how some of these stocks are covered, even though some did break the, the 50 day moving average. You know, how do you usually handle that? Do you try to give it a little bit more time to see if some of the best stocks can recover and look pretty good on a weekly chart by the end of the week? Yeah. So that's, that's a great question. Um, it is tough when you get the, you know, that kind of selling and the breaks below the 50 day early in the week, because, um, I would prefer to wait till the end of the week to make decisions. Um, but you know, there, the way I handled it was some stocks broke below the 50 and they looked weak at the end of the day. And so I cut them. Okay. Um, I didn't sell all my positions, but I, I cut them. Some of the stocks, um, found, um, support by the end of the day on, on that Monday, um, and looked stronger. And yeah. so those are the ones I felt more comfortable with. And you could say that the breaks below the 50 weren't really decisive. Some of them didn't even break the 50. Some of them were, they just had a bad day right. in the context of an uptrend. So, you know, I would prefer to wait till the end of the week to make those choices. But the truth of the matter is the market really did look bad at the end of that day on Monday. It, it, there wasn't much supporting action in the general market. It, we were off our lows, but we we're still in the lower half of the range. And the prudent thing to do was to raise cash even though that was the very bottom, and we rallied straight up from there. So, I mean, that's just the way the market works. Um, hopefully, you didn't have, to, you know, you were taking action before then. Right. And you weren't, right. you know, heavily margined or, you know, in a, 
in a place where you had to act or you had risk of you know losing a ton of money. So let, let's talk about something else very quickly, and then we'll 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 take a further step back and, and look at the larger picture. But uh, on that day, or really a, a couple of times, there were there were uh, some secondary indicators that were shown potential chance for uh, maybe the market is is making a a bottom here. Right. So I'm a big fan of using the secondary market indicators. So that would be the put to call ratio, um, the bullish bear sentiment indicator. Um, the stochastics, the um, overbought, oversold oscillator, those types of things. And some of those did w- were really signaling that we were at very oversold levels. Um, in particular, the put-to-call ratio uh, spiked to 1.2 and 1.25 yep. um, twice during that uh, in the days just preceding the bottom. And the stochastics, um, which you could just see on um, – uh, can you see it on? Uh, you, you can see it on MarketSmith. Yeah. Uh, you, you can turn it. And Stochastics, it's an oscillator that's really uh, tracking the momentum of whatever chart you're looking at. And it gives oversold, overbought. Right. And at the very bottom on that low day, it hit the most oversold you get, which is a zero, zero. Right. Which coincided with um, a level we hit at the very bottom uh, in December. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, so, you know, we hit these very oversold levels. Now, again, these are secondary indicators. You don't want to make your primary decision on a secondary indicator, but it just gives you some context of, you know, what are we really in? And so that combined with the fact that you still had leadership that was holding up pretty well. Many of my stocks were still holding in there or weren't off that much yeah. um, or, or still above support levels gave me confidence that, you know, this is um, it, as painful as it was. Wasn't something as serious as um, what we had in the fourth quarter of 2018. So, um, and and luckily things so far have worked out. It looks like that was a bottom. We did get a follow through day, and now it's just a matter of time to see if it holds or not. Right. Maybe, maybe go sideways for a little bit during the right. summer or whatever, and uh, then set ourselves up for a, for a good fall, hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, so now let's talk about kind of the longer term. And, and really kind of this longer-term secular bull market that we've been in uh, since 2009. So, um, yeah, if you, if you pull up a monthly chart, let's say, on the NASDAQ, you can see that we've really been rallying since March of 2009. That was the uh, you know, major bear market low and you know, following the financial crisis. And we've really had um, you know, a secular bull market since then. So it's 10 years old. But we have had a number of bear markets and intermediate corrections during that time frame. So um, in 2011, we had about a 20% correction. In 2016, we had another 20% correction. And we have had extended periods of sideways consolidation during those periods. Um, And then in the fourth quarter of last year, we had a 24% correction in the NASDAQ. So we've had these corrections in the context of a longer bull market, and that's healthy. It gives stocks, um, you know, chances, a chance to base out, create new bases, new leadership, and so forth. Um, and we've also had, again, it's not just the percentage decline that, that you need, but you also want some time in there. So if, let's say, we're going to look at a weekly chart here on the NASDAQ, um, we've really made very little progress since um, January of 2018. January, February timeframe. 
we made some progress. We did hit some, you know, new highs. But, you know, if you look at the peak in January of 2018 and where we are now, we've pretty much just been in a very wide um, trading range. It's pretty incredible, when, when, yeah, when you look at it that way. So it's not, you know, I think there's a couple points there. One is we haven't really made much progress, so this has been a consolidation period. It's even more pronounced if you look at the S&P 500. We're basically exactly at the levels we hit in January of um, at the end of January of 2018. So we made no progress at all in the S&P 500. And if you look at the S&P 500 from say mid 2015 through the end of 2016, that was a similar period of choppiness, a wide trading range where you made literally no progress over a year and a half. Yeah, I and call that, that the stealth bear market. Yeah, it, and it was a it was a bear market. Yeah. Um, because it was painful. It was, it's it's actually easier to survive in a bear market that's just going down because if you're in a downtrend, you just walk away. Right. But if you're in a, a wide trading range where you keep getting sucked in and then scared out and sucked in and scared out, you can actually lose quite a bit of money getting yep. chopped up. But that 2015 to 2016 um, you know, trading range led to a really strong 2017. Yeah. So maybe the market is setting up again. You know, the fact that we have been consolidating for a year and a half, um, we've just had a follow-through day. We have a, a cup with handle. If you look on the NASDAQ, um, it's formed a cup with handle base. You know, we could be setting up for, um, you know, a strong market. And, you know, the market is very um, driven by news headlines, and we've had a lot of kind of rough headlines. And the fact that we're holding in as well as we are, um, you know, I think um, – could bode well because if we get some positive news, who knows what the market can do? Yeah, so, once you, if we get rid of that uncertainty, you know the the mark the market could really <coughs> take off. Yeah. So, so the market is back in an uptrend, uh, but remember, you know, be disciplined, manage your risk, and and buy right. Now let's take a quick break. But when we return, we're going to talk about how you can do really well in trading by buying pullbacks. So stay tuned. Want to find stocks like the ones on this podcast? A lot of the best names we talk about come from IBD's exclusive stock lists, like the IBD 50 and the Big Cap 20. Whatever type of investor you are, we got a list for you. You can access every one of IBD's lists, plus stock ratings, exclusive analysis, and one-on-one coaching with a membership to IBD Digital. It costs less than a dollar a day, but for podcast listeners, we're offering an even better price. Go to Investors.com slash podcast offer right now and get your first two months for only $20. We're back with Charles Harris on Investing with IBD. And Charles, let's talk about uh, something that you've done really well at, uh, buying pullbacks. And 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 I'll, I'll tell this story. Uh, yeah, I went to the chart school seminars when when Investor Business Daily did these seminars years ago. I, I went as a as a customer, and you and Mike Webster were were there. And you know, Mike was the traditional kind of breakout guy, with traditional can slim going by the book. And then it was so refreshing to hear you talk about buying pullbacks, and and I think I've heard that many times because that's. I think a lot of people relate to that, you know, trying to try to buy in the pullback. Uh, but 
it is not easy at all. But let's go into that, how you approach it. And maybe I, I think the best way to first start off is, you know, why why that works for you or, you know, what appeals, uh, why buying pullbacks appeals to you. Okay. So, first of all, I don't always do it that well. Um, it, it isn't easy to do well um, all the time. But I've learned a lot over the years on, um, you know, how to do it better. So, but it, it's it's like anything, um, you know, hindsight's 50, 20, 20, and... <laughs> <laughs> or maybe, maybe 50, 20. So. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess 20, 20 is uh, the best you can hope for right. these days. Um, so, you, you know, after the fact, it looks easy to buy a pullback. Um, but when you're in the midst of it, you know, if you don't get started right, or if you buy too much too early, um, it can cause a lot of problems. Yep. So it, it isn't an easy thing to do. But in my opinion, the most profitable strategy, trading strategy, is buying pullbacks in a strong, um, kind of consistent uptrend, supported by moving averages. And for, for one of the best stocks in the market, or yeah, a leading, a, one for of leading the stocks. stocks right. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel that it is the most profitable strategy, and it's the highest probability strategy. Um, if you are in a, the market's in a confirmed uptrend, it's a, you're in a strong rally, um, good stocks will pull back and then they will reaccelerate and go to new highs. So, um, so um, that's why I do it. And, yeah. and I'm also, as people who've been in the workshops know that I'm a little more of a swing trader. So, you know, I find, for me, I find that the sweet spot for a holding period is somewhere between three to four weeks to several months. Um, doesn't mean I don't hold you know stocks longer than that or trade them on a, even a shorter term basis than that, but um, I'm typically trading around a core position and um, taking profits. If, if things are running up for three, four, five weeks or, or, or more, I will start to raise cash, take profits, and look to buy back on a pullback to an area of support, which maybe the 21-day moving average, maybe the 50-day moving average, maybe the top of the prior um, basing area or consolidation. But that's the approach I try to take. It works well for me because I kind of have more of a contrary nature when it comes to the market. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the market doesn't always reward what's obvious. Buying breakouts, um, you know, is a great strategy in a strong bull market, but you get a lot of false breakouts, especially, this seems like to me, um, you know, over the past at least five years, a lot of breakouts don't work. Um, or they, they break out and they come back in and they shake you out before they really um, get started again. So, um, and I think maybe because a lot more people are familiar with charts and we talk about it all the right, time and now right. you can turn on the television and everyone's talking about tech, you know, technicals. Yep. Um, or on Twitter and all, all the, the, the information <coughs> is just spreads a lot quicker these days and yeah. so you can get those ideas a lot earlier. I think so. And I think, you know, when something's breaking out, it's obvious and it feels good. It's moving up. You know, emotionally, you want to jump on board. Um, but when you're buying swing trading, when you're buying pullbacks, it's actually you're buying and everyone's selling. Right. So in a way, you're, you're benefiting from um, other people's emotions. You know, people are fearful. They're scared. And they finally start, you know, puking it out near, let's yep. say, a low or near near a moving average. You're there to kind of pick it up. So I'd much rather buy when it's easy to buy when people are selling, 
um, than try to buy when I'm competing with everyone else to buy the same stock. Not that I don't buy breakouts. I mean, I do. That's our, you know, it's a core O'Neill strategy. Yes. And I do use it and I do employ it. But I prefer to buy um, after stocks already in a confirmed uptrend or I already have a position in, in the stocks moving up, it's proving itself. I like to try to buy when a stock is pulling back. Um, so that's why I do it. I mean, I think it, it, it makes sense and it, it matches with my personality. So let's get let, let's get into a little bit more of the how okay. what, what you're what you're looking at. So you're, so we're in a confirmed object. So yeah, you're definitely not doing this when you're in a downtrend, right? You're on the sidelines. So let's just make that clear. To, yeah. Well, to, I'll to tell you, there. it's a no bullish strategy works in a downtrend. So if you're buying breakouts, you're going to lose. They, they will fail yep. typically, and buying pullbacks also doesn't work in a downtrend. What you'll find is that the stocks will not get support where you expect them to. They'll just keep falling. So eventually, if you're buying pullbacks and the market turns from uptrend, uptrend to downtrend, you're going to lose. Yep. It won't be a happy ending, but yep. um, everyone's going to lose who has a bullish strategy. So you know you kind of pick your death in a way. <laughs> um, so yeah, you, it doesn't work in a downtrend. The market has to be trending up, and the stocks you're trading have to be trending up, supported by a rising 50-day. Okay. That, that's the way I do it. Which makes a absolute sense. So now let's get into more of the how here. Uh, so so you mentioned a couple of these moving averages, but let's get into the, uh, the spe uh, specifics. Uh, what, Which moving averages are you mainly using, the 21-day the, the and the 50-day, right? Yeah, so From the 50-day is kind of my go-to. The 50-day okay. is... Um, you know, it's a longer-term moving average. It gives the stock time to really move in and, and make a healthy correction off of a kind of a intra-move peak. Um, I've noticed that the 21-day also contains a lot of moves um, of major stocks. Um, Shopify is a leader in the market right now. If you pull up a daily of, of Shopify, yeah. you'll see that the 21-day moving average has really contained the entire advance. It has. Um, and so it's really can be very helpful. And you know, Mike turned me on. Mike Webster turned me on to the 21-day moving average in the context of the general market, and it mm -hmm. works great for the general market. And in fact, when Mike and I uh, created the Market School um, kind of methodology and workshop that we um, were, were teaching several years ago, the 21-day moving average was really key in that. Um, kind of in our little black box or little algorithm on how to regulate our exposure to the market. And yeah, we really heavily relied on the 21-day. But it actually, um, I found it works pretty well with a lot of individual stocks. So if you're in a real leader, many times the 21-day will contain the move as well. Now, when, when they're coming into these moving averages, are you expecting a, a strong bounce at that point? Or do, is it okay if it goes sideways for a little <coughs> bit? Or do you have that kind of specifics? So um, stocks come in differently, you know, um, when they come into the moving average. But um, one thing I found is you don't want to get too excited too quickly. And one thing um, I, I didn't do well when I started this type of strategy was I get really excited. On the first day, it was down. Yeah. I'd start buying. Yeah. And the second day, I'd start buying. And third day, I'd start buying. And next thing you know, I'm racking up heavy <laughs> losses. I'm like, well, where's where's the bottom? Right. And, you know, they keep falling. And next thing you know, well, 
now I've got a big fat loss. I've been holding it for five or six days, yeah. and I'm getting nervous, and I'm kind of taking losses. So you don't want to act too quickly. The way I buy pullbacks is I use a scaling approach. Okay. I buy gradually, and I, um, and I never buy on the first day down, usually not the second day down, even if it's a big, like, one day down. You know, you know most stocks that are trending up, they're going to correct at least 10% on a pullback, at least. Um, you know, I ran a couple of studies, and like an average that I found was sometime where between 16 and 17 percent off of a kind of intramove peak. Wow! So you have that time makes usually. sense. Yeah, that especially this last week or yeah. a week ago, right? A lot of our stocks really yeah. came in, ju- or probably around there, like 16, 17, maybe yeah. more. So if you get excited when the stock's down six percent, you know, you might be in for another 10, 12% from there, maybe more, depending on, on how volatile the stock is. So you don't want to get started too early. The way I do it is I begin to buy, again, scaling slowly as it's reaching the support area that I'm looking at. So if it's a 50-day moving average, as it's approaching it, I begin to buy, um, knowing that I'm probably going to lose some money. Okay. But I kind of want to just get started a little bit. Um, Many times these are stocks I already have positions in that I've sold at higher levels, and I'm trying to reestablish my position. Um, if it gets right to a moving average, I'll usually be buying there as well. Um, but the time to really get going and to really you know, reestablish your position or, or buy uh, in a bigger way is when you see some supporting action off of the moving average. So um, that's typically in the form of an upside reversal. So if you actually see the stock come down to the moving average or cut below it and then rally back and close in the upper half, that's supporting action. And then I'll get started or, or um, I'm going to say get started because I'm getting started earlier than that. But that's where I really get going and will buy um, a lar- you know, in larger chunks yep. because then I have a line in the sand um, to kind of define my risk. It's very important when you're putting on any trade, whether it's buying a breakout or buying a pullback, you should always define your risk. Um, if you're buying an upside reversal, you can define your risk as the low of the upside reversal. It really shouldn't violate that um, if it's going to work. Now, sometimes it does, and you get shaken out, and then it forms another upside reversal. It's like you get a shake out immediately, and then it, you know, and you might have to buy it right back. But it's very important to define your risk. So waiting for that supporting action is really the safest way to do it um, to get started. And then if it's working, if you, the next day it's up, as you would expect it, yeah. you can even start to um, buy a little more into that strength. Um, sometimes you'll find that the stock will bounce off the moving average and then pull back to it. It's very normal. If that happens, um, I'll again add on that secondary pullback. And um, once it breaks above the high of the of the little bounce. Of the reversal day? Of or, the, or not the, the reversal day, but so you have the upside reversal. Okay. And so you rally for a few days up and then you retest. Oh, got it. Okay. So that the high of that, the bounce. Right. Um, once you break above that, um, I think typically. Um, the coast is clear, and you can, um, you know, aggressively reestablish your position or, or buy at that point. Yeah, that makes sense. So it, it rallies up, brief rally. Now it comes back, tests again. Now it can't go lower. 
now goes higher and takes out that short-term high. Right, it's a little short-term high, it's a little area of resistance. And um, yeah, once you break above that, it's almost like a pivot. Okay, perfect. What about volume? Are, are you looking for volume on, on the upside reversal or, or as they're coming off of Yeah, so based on just my personal experience, and I've done this for a long time, um, sometimes you get heavy volume on the pullback. Sometimes volume comes um, is lighter on the pullback. I haven't seen, I've seen it both ways. So I would prefer there to be heavy volume on the supporting action day. Um, you know, that gives you more confirmation that it was a shakeout, but it doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes yeah. the volume doesn't come in and it starts to rally off the moving average and the, the volume's weak and you start to hesitate. You're like, ah, oh, you know, where's the volume? Where's right. the volume? Is, there's no one there. And then, you know, when finally it's now extended and maybe moving to new highs, you start to see the volume. Right. So, you know, I prefer to see heavy volume at, at an area of support with um, with supporting action in the price, but you can't always rely on it. So um, you, know, you, you can hope for it. You might get it. You might not. Okay, Charles, you mentioned that Shopify held a 21-day moving average. And coming up after the break, we're going to go over an example of a stock that held the 50-day. So stay tuned. Engaged investors can find profitable trades in up, down, and sideways markets. But how do you adjust your trading and keep your portfolio growing when the market outlook changes? Join IBD for a free investing webinar on Tuesday, June 18th. We'll show you strategies you can use to trade with the market direction, not against it, and find winning trades while protecting your profits. And if you watch it live, you'll get the chance to have your investing questions answered by our market experts. Go to investors.com webinar to register and save your spot. We're back with Charles Harris on Investing with IBD. Okay, Charles, so we went over an example of a stock bouncing off the 21-day moving average. So let's go over an example of a stock bouncing off the 50-day moving average. And it's Zscaler. Yeah, so uh, symbol ZS. I should say I do have a position in the stock. And I should say I have a position in the stock, too. Ooh, well done, Arusha. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm in the same stock that Charles is in. Yeah, that's probably jinxing it for <laughs> yes, both of exactly. us. Um, so this is a stock. They're in the cybersecurity um, space. And um, they have a platform that is, uh, or an architecture that is um, made for the cloud. Yep. And so they're taking business away from a lot of the legacy cybersecurity players. Um, they're really, I think, in the right place at the right time. You can see they've got huge sales growth. They're actually already profitable. Uh, it's not a cheap stock. I mean, it's sky-high PE, but they're growing very rapidly. And I just think they're in the right space. And the chart um, is looks really good to me. It's been working really well. So. Um, you can see that you know the stock broke out on the huge gap up in um, what date is this? Right at the um, early March, uh, uh, March first. Was March first, okay. And um, and that was after earnings. That was like on a that was on earnings. Yep. Um, and it was a huge beat, and um, and it had actually broken out before that. I actually was accumulating the position before the gap up, mm -hmm. and just used the um, gap up to to add a little bit. But it had a nice little uh, breakout run up here to the uh, 
three area, and then you get your pullback to the 50-day. And this is exactly you know uh, a, a nice pullback. It took a few weeks right to get down to the 50-day. And look at the action on the low of that pullback. You have this upside reversal. Yep, and so this was on April 18th. On April 18th, you yep. get an upside reversal. So that's the supporting action I'm talking about. Yep. It happened right, um, you got supporting action in the, in the price movement with the upside reversal. So it hit the moving average and then closed at the very top of the range, actually closing up for the day. And it came right into where you want it to. So. Yes. Uh, in fact, it also came right into the top of the prior little um, consolidation after the stock broke out. So right around that 60 area, there was a lot of support. Mm -hmm. So that was a, a, an, a, a point to add to the position, or if you, if you missed it, even initiate a position. Now you can see it rallied up for oh, two and a half weeks or so, mm -hmm. and then retested the 50-day moving average. So remember I mentioned in the last segment that many stocks will bounce off the 50-day and then retest. Yep. So this one had a retest. And this was like a retest, what, a couple weeks later? Yes. Right, so yeah. Yes. So um, you, you got the retest a couple weeks later, which lasted about another week or so, another five or six trading days. And then when it emerged, um, you see this really strong price action on um, May 10th kind of breaking above the highs of that. Yeah, so um, May 6th was where it found support off the 50-day moving average. Correct. And that, and that was a strong, another strong day there. Yeah. And then on May 10th, it took out the highs of that May 6th. Right. And the May 6th really was a buy day as well yes. because you had, yes. again, a massive upside reversal. It looked really strong there, and and I was buying on that day too. Are you, are you buying early in that day, at the end of the day? How, um, how are you? Uh, <clears throat> That's another really good question. Uh, again, you never know. I, yeah. I have found that I'm actually waiting toward the end of the day to make decisions now because there's so many false movements yeah. during the day. It, it, I don't know whether it's just the market environment or what, but. Um, so to try to reduce that noise and the unnecessary trading, you're, you're waiting closer to the end of the day. Yeah, and you can see, you know, by the end of the day, you looked at it and you go, you know, this is a day I would I would want to buy. And, yeah. you know, I was talking to Mike, uh, Mike Webster about, you know, how I've been trading lately, and I've been really trying to um, make all my buys something I could explain at a workshop, so so that an attendee could look at it and say, you know, you know, did you buy here? And I said, yeah, and, and it, they'd clearly see why. Yeah. So um, I like it, that. In a way, it's it it is this, in a way obvious, but you can see um, it makes sense now. Here, it pulled back again to the fifty day Just, a couple of days later, right, so right. I wasn't rewarded right off the bat. Right. But a few days later, you got the clear, um, strong move up. Now, the stock did come in again and test the 50-day. And you have to think of that in the context of the general market. I mean, the market was down huge. Yes. On a relative basis, the stock really held up quite well. And, you know, the RS line was holding in pretty well there. Um, you did have earnings. Yes. And um, the stock... Um, Given the market action, it, it held okay on earnings, and it was I, a very was good report. It's amazing uh, with with this stock because it the it did like the the thing that you the last thing that you would expect. It, it didn't do that much on earnings. It there wasn't a huge gap up or down. On no, this but that was the day though that um that that was um you know uh, June third, which was the bottom, right? That's yes. when Nasdaq hit its low. Yeah. 
And um, so given the fact that the NASDAQ had a horrible day on that day, and that's the day that killed all the cloud stocks and cyber stocks and big data stocks, the fact that it was just down a little bit was actually a big positive. So I was really heartened to see that price action yeah. given the, the context of the general market. And now you've had a strong bounce up as the market's recovered. And um, you know the hope now, <laughs> we shouldn't be hoping too much, but the hope is now that it will um, go to new highs, break yep. through 80 and um, you know, so I like this stock because one, it's it's in the right space. Fundamentals are strong, and it's just built a second stage base. It's not that extended from the original base, mm -hmm. and it's not you know it's not a stock that's been moving up for a year and a half. It really just got started earlier this year. So I'm hoping that you know this has more room to run and can really turn into something. Okay, let's go to the second stock, and it's uh, Viva Systems. Uh, ticker symbol V V E E V. Yeah. So um, Viva's uh, in the cloud space, and they specialize um, in providing um, uh, cloud applications for the life science right. industry. So There's a lot of paperwork for the pharmaceuticals yes. to do to to get approvals and all that stuff. Right. And so for biotechs and pharmaceutical companies and and, and so forth. And um, this is a stock I'm not currently in. It's a stock I, I did have traded. I, I currently am in it. Oh, I should say that. good for you. I wish well, I was I, in it. I, but <laughs> not, not at the point where, where I wish I was. I got out way too early, but yeah. got back in. I, I, um, I wish I was trading this. And this has really been the strongest of all the cloud like the stocks. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, I mean, look at how it, it held up during the market correction. Oh, yeah. It's like, it, it was just um, nothing. You know, just in May, it, it was, they finally got to it really just on one day. Yep. And it and came in and got support at the 50. Yes. So, um And that was right before the earnings. Yes. Yeah, which made it even trickier. Yeah, that which is tough, yeah. yeah. But this is really where, where your leadership is and you can see that it has held the 50-day moving average um throughout the run. Yep. And you can see on that first pullback to the 50, you got that upside reversal right at that that place. Yes. On the second one, you also got supporting action. The second one was on April 18th. Yes. Yep. More supporting action on that day, closing the upper half of the range. It was down for the day, but off off the lows. Yep. And then you had the tricky one on June 3rd, which, you know, again coincided with earnings, and you know, earnings, earnings is a crapshoot. You really can't game earnings, and. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, that was May twenty ninth. The, the 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 third one when it hit the the fifty day. Movement. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yes. So 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 May twenty ninth, and right. they reported earnings, uh, or they had the reaction earnings on May thirtieth. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but that's another one that I'm kind of monitoring, and, and it's in an uptrend. So if I were to initiate a position in here, it would be on a pullback. So you know, if we go through another, um, uh, you know little difficult time in the market or this thing gets a little extended and comes back into the 50, it might be a place where I would uh, give it a shot. But, um, you know, likely I've kind of missed this one. I mean, it, it, yeah. it's running, but um, but it may pull back. It may give you an opportunity. Yep. And let's go to the third stock, uh, Sage Therapeutics and ticker symbol S-A-G-E. So this is a stock I've been monitoring. I, I've I've um, I've traded it a couple of times. I've gotten shaken out. It, you can see the stock is consolidating. It's not in yeah. an uptrend, but I thought maybe throw out a stock that has potential. 
um, its basing. And they have a, um, the first approved dr drug for postpartum depression, which is a huge, huge end market. Yep. And then you can see on the chart that huge gap up um, at the beginning of the year. Uh, that was with a favorable phase three trial. So that's um, January 7th that, that that was the reaction to yeah. the, the phase three trial news. And, and since then, they've gotten approval to commercialize the drug for postpartum depression. So they have the first drug on the market for that disorder. Um, I believe they're coming, um, they're going to be, begin going live commercially with it at the end of this month uh, or soon. So, um, you know, I, I think it's... Um, it's consolidating first stage base. They are not profitable, but they're very well capitalized. They have plenty of cash in the bank. They have a very strong pipeline. Yeah. And um, you know, if it can break out of this consolidation, you know, which is going to be somewhere around 179, 17850 or so, uh, if it breaks out of there, you know, it's something that I would look at. Um, you know, biotech space is a, t is a tough space. It's a tough space because their EPS rating is a one because it's a biotech, right? Yeah, but a they, lot of these biotechs aren't going to have earnings, and they're not going to. This stock won't have company won't have earnings for years, right. but they will start making money. Um, you, you'll have losses, but at least they're going to have revenues. Right. Um, and again, they have a strong pipeline, and um, you know, so I think there's. I always like. The bio look at biotech stocks. There's just so much potential. I mean, when they work, they really, really work. Right. But they're also um, they're more hit or miss. You know, they're they're a little more difficult. Uh, you know, they don't trend. They they trend well when they're all working, but that hasn't happened in a long time. Yeah. What 2013 was probably the last time. Yeah. A lot of those guys were were trending well. Now for those biotechs, so if they don't have the earnings, you're looking for strong revenue at that. At that yeah. To try to overcome it. Yeah, uh, that that the fundamental negative, I guess. Yeah, I I I want them to have something that's um, either commercially viable or close to being, um, you know, ha being having approval, um, so that they can start earning some some money. Yeah. Uh, to offset losses, and again, I'm looking at the pipeline too. So they've got a lot of a lot in their pipeline. Um, so and again, it's. If you look at the biotech space, this one is is held up really, really well. Um, you know, it's got a, a 90 on the RS. The RS line is holding in there, and compared to a lot of the space, like the Amgens or Gileads or and so forth, those look terrible. Right. So this, in in my estimation, is a leader in that space right now, and I love that gap up, the huge gap up off the bottom. Um, bodes well. I mean, there, there's a reason why that happened. They got the approval. And so something good is happening. There's a lot of accumulation on that day. So I'm thinking there's good potential. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I mean, <coughs> the the thing that kind of surprised me, I'm surprised it didn't go at a sharper angle. Because mm -hmm. sometimes when you have like really great news like that, you have that gap up and then they just continue to really yeah. shoot up. So so that that's one thing. But just working maybe through a lot of that previous trading, the overhead supply there. Yeah. Okay, so keep an eye on these current stocks and definitely take some time, go back, look at some of the examples that we were talking about uh, when buying pullbacks. And remember, we are in officially in a confirmed uptrend, so make sure your watch list is fresh. Thanks, Charles, for, for being here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> 
That's it for this week on Investing with IBD. Next week, we are going to have Brian Shannon, a longtime trader, author, founder of alphatrends.net. And he's going to talk about the psychology of moving averages. So thanks, everyone, for being here, and we'll talk to you shortly. And for this week's Nilton Charts, make sure to go to Investors.com slash podcast, where you'll find details for each episode in the podcast episode section. And make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast at investors.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and nothing should be construed as a recommendation to buy, hold, or sell any securities. Make sure to consider consulting with your financial advisor before making any investment decisions.